Can, can we all can we all sing it? It's coming. Yeah, no, it. hold on, it's coming. Ducking hell! There was a lot of ducking going on there. I've got it set up on my uh, my mix, but there we go. Uh, welcome everybody. Sonic Talk number two hundred and thirteen, recording live today, Wednesday, the fifteenth of May. Though you wouldn't guess it, it feels like blooming November here. It's sub no, sub ten degrees and raining. Uh, my heating's on. I put a blanket back on the bed. Oh, it's just. I don't know, what can I say? Uh, usually, it's been a long time since I moaned about the weather in this country, but I'm moaning about it today, that's for sure. Sort it out, someone. Gaz, can you do anything about it? Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk, uh, co-host of uh, Sonic Touch, and uh, bass player with the uh, legendary Carl Hyde. Um, can you fix the weather, please? <laughs> oh, um, is that? Do you think it's a concoction of certain frequencies we can get the kind of... Could we get some the theta waves parts, going? Maybe... Um, yeah, grooves, dancing, good grooves. Yeah, dancing. She, she could come into Bristol. I, I heard the sun is bound to shine <laughs> on that very day. Need, that, that's what we need. We need just lots of we need lots of just dancing energy people, and I think that'll uh, make the clouds all move. So, I'm I'm, I'm liking your theory, Gaz. Uh, let's hope it works. And I suppose with that sort of sideways link to Sheik, we should then perhaps go to Mr. Uh, Rich Hilton in Connecticut, who uh, is a member of Chic, amongst other things, as well as being uh, the studio guy that operates and flies the machinery and does all the kind of important stuff at Nile Rogers Studio, apart from playing the guitar, of course. How are you, Mr. Richard Hilton? Very well, thank you. Let's see. And, which... uh, and I am looking forward to coming to Bristol soon. It's it's not next week; it's the week after, isn't it? It's like in, it's ten days oh, from now. Wow! Like, really? What? Oh, you're going to be. I'm, I'm not here. Am I wrong about that? I, 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 I didn't hear the rope in front of me you, at the moment. I didn't look at the date. Ah, ah big mistake. It's like really. Uh, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's what? It's ten days from now. It's the twenty sixth Sunday. Oh, do you know? Sunday. I'm in Australia. What? The other side of the world. How far away could you possibly be, Gaz? Yeah. Oh no. Good for you. Never oh, mind, Rich. I, I'm sure it's not all planned that way. It wasn't. It wasn't like an escape route. Could I be as far anyway, Rich? It's great to have you aboard. Um, of course. Uh, so, uh, speaking, is, is this a private gig or is it a public gig? A Bristol? Yeah, I believe it's a festival. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, the gas, isn't it? It's got a name yeah. and everything. Yeah, it's a name and everything. Something love cures Sunday. Love saves Sunday. Oh wow. Love exists on sunday too or something oh well i'm gonna try and get along to that obviously that'd be great to see you um hopefully i can but anyway okay. rich thanks for joining us and um, we've still got some more gosh it, it, uh, we'll also say hello to dave spears who's over there with his uh, lovely dot-com modular behind him looking very dapper i hey, don't suppose you see what i got for my birthday oh, oh come on. thank you very much by the way um but check this out this is cool prezi right i got this just to annoy Petrol implants? No. Even better. It's a amp. Drums. <laughs> <laughs> and you can select kits. Oh, no way. Yeah, there's a bit of scratching going on there. Excellent. Cool, eh? What, I'm going to do Anita Ward's Ring My Bell. <laughs> what temperature do you have to wash it at? 
I have no idea. <laughs> My brother sent it over for me. That's so lovely. I've just been... It's good because you can disguise it underneath clothing and stuff like I've been doing. Hang on, that's a bit caught there. Because I think you can rip it off. And you can just kind of... This clips over your pocket. So you can kind of walk up behind people. You can turn it up really loud and then just sort of walk up behind people and go... <laughs> Ah, that reminds me a little bit of, um, there's a uh, radio uh, transmitting fart um, device that my daughter was very keen on. Uh, you have a little yeah. button in one hand and you take the device and you put it somewhere else, like under Granny's chair or, you know, maybe near the mayor or something along those lines of press. And it comes up with some fabulous renditions. Really? And it's just a really, really loud. It's like really brilliant speaker technology. So in a thing that big, it's very, very loud. Um, and uh, yes, my, uh, I think my, my brother-in-law used it on a very dear deaf friend of his on a blind date. <laughs> Which is really unkind, but to everybody was amused in the end. I think it worked out all right in the end. Anyway, Dave, uh, Spears, um, as I said, g4software.com, uh, as usual. And now we'll have Mark in the left-hand side, just because he's there at the moment. Mark Tinley, of course, creative thinker, member of TV Mania, likebeing.com. And, oh, you had a hat on and now you don't. I've taken it off. It was far too... Um I don't know. Hat Restrictive. Type. Yes. I've, it's given me an idea. I've got a spare airport, you know, those airplay things. And yeah. I was talking to East about maybe doing this, putting like a big speaker in the boot of my car and the airport thing and a mains inverter and powering the thing up and having about, you know, 100 watts of things out there. And then we could send sounds to it with the iPad from the living room and watch people's reactions as they walk <laughs> past the car. So we could have dogs in <laughs> People saying, help, help, let me out, let me out. <laughs> Perhaps not so tasteful. I, in fact, that reminds me of a thing I used to do at the post office, actually. It was a, a jolly jape. But there was a, at the post office in Bath, there, there are two doors that you went in. And in the middle is a kind of, um, or was, uh, letterboxes that you could put letters in either side. So what we used to do, me and my mates used to go down and wait for somebody to come up and put a letter and go, help, can you let me out? Can you get someone to get the keys, please? And they'd go, blimmin' hell. And they'd come round and see who's there. And you'd run around the other side and just shout from the other side. of the, And they, they'd be convinced that there were, there was somebody locked in the letterbox. <laughs> anyway, that was... Um, love it, love it. Uh, yeah, we've got some topics to cover, I should imagine. We can't... For, I'll play a little bit of this, because I imagine if I play any more, I'll get busted. But uh, this was... This is the, the, the viral meme of the week, and quite, quite rightly so. Let's see if it'll play. Ah, here we go. International Space Station, of course... This is a fabulous piece of uh, viral video creation. It's probably done NASA more good than anything. What they needed to do is combine this with some sort of a, a uh, fundraising, you know, contribute thing, and then they might recoup some of that, um, however bil many billion uh, dollars it costs to, to, to put it up there. This is obviously uh, Commander... Control to me. Uh, oh, I've got his name here. Commander Chris Hadfield doing his video up here. Control. To me. Amazing sound, isn't there? I would have thought, imagine there'd be lots of sort of hissing and whirring going on in the background for a recording in a space station. I'm not going to play anymore because I know what's going to happen. They'll, YouTube will bust me and it'll just be an awful mess and they'll get this taken down, which we don't want. Incidentally, I should say, uh, before I start the show, obviously uh, Isotope are sponsoring the show and if you stay tuned, you may be able to win a copy of Iris. I'm not going to say anymore. That's known as a tease. Anyway, Chris Hadfield, right there uh, on the ISS. Um, a, a brilliant idea. I mean, it, I, I don't know whether he recorded it before he went there and then just put up, but just fantastic concept. 
How do they keep the piano in tune in space? Yeah, I'm wondering where they kept all of that stuff. Well, um, that's my. There, why isn't there any visual evidence of the idea that they actually recorded it up there? Well, and I'm not saying that they perpetrated anything that wasn't true. I'm just saying I'm. I know they broadcasted from up there and they filmed it up there. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing taking like uh, anything more than um, a light parlor guitar is uh, going to cost an enormous amount in terms of extra payload. <laughs> I'd imagine space is tight there. I mean, I imagine even one extra pair of underpants might uh, might be frowned upon in that sort of device. That's not even... Uh, no, you could do it with an iPad and a microphone, but... Um, True. It's just... I once had to record a vocal in the back of a tour bus that was running. <laughs> and I can tell you, it's a noisy environment. Yeah. Now, I don't know what it's like inside the ISS, and maybe it is quiet. But uh, it strikes me as really unlikely that that thing was recorded up there. And I'd like to see. Maybe they use Skype, eh? It was. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah and be there'd, there'd be an interesting story behind it. But it's a, gr- I mean, just it's been going bonkers, hasn't it? It's a massively viral video and all of those things. But um, the one thing that I did think, this, this raised two subjects. The first of which, you know, what's the most extreme recording scenario you've been in? Because, uh, you know, as Rich said, you kind of say uh, in the recording a vocal in the back of the bus. Did it end up on a record, by the way? Um, I don't think it did. Ah, okay. It was part of an ensemble anyway. Ah, it right. was somebody's voice being added to an ensemble of other guys. All right, okay. Well, but it's, an, in, it's an interesting concept. I mean, say, let's just say for the sake of argument, they did record it up there, just so that we can kind of run with the kind of idea that I've, I've strapped to the back of this. <laughs> um, the most extreme recording environment. I'm guessing Gaz might have some kind of uh, thing to contribute to this. Just I, I, I'm, I'm guessing. Or oh, is he thinking? What about uh, Mark? Looked like he's thinking as well. <laughs> yeah. I can think. I, of... can, I can claim. Oh, sorry. Were you going to? No, no. Go, you, go, Mark. After you, Mark. I was going to say I can claim various hotels around the world and sort of set up a recording environment in the Hotel Vendôme in Paris, which was extreme because I was there with my ex-wife. So I suppose that makes it extreme, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. That's hard to that's hard to comment on, not knowing all the facts. But uh, I'll take your word for it. Rich's face is it? Oh no, he's not met my ex-wife either. Actually, um, I don't know. I mean, I've I've tried recording outside in fields and things like that. I think when there's wind around, wind is one of the most extreme yeah, environments. Really difficult because it really cocks microphones up and it, it just, just smothers everything full everything, range, yeah. doesn't it? <clears throat> but I have bought some lovely furry earmuffs that sort of sort some of those binaural problems out yeah that's true oh well, so you've got like kind of wind wind guards on your yeah. binaural so you've got those like massive and then it says <laughs> sound man across the top so nobody's in any kind of like doubt what you're doing when you're just the thing to take to a bootleg head gig head eh? generator at the yeah. boot sale going like <laughs> <laughs> excellent Actually, that- i've been in a mosh Whilst bootlegging, so that's quite extreme. Mosh pit. The front of a gig in a mosh pit, yeah. So, (laughs) as a recording, it's completely scuppered by all the... the, the, Ah, ah! The noise, (laughs) Doof, Um, doof, doof. Yes, all that kind of stuff. I might have mentioned it before. We we set fire to an organ. This was considerable time before... uh, um, Diego did it. This was back in the mid nineties. We we set fire to an organ up on a mountain on a big piece of uh, corrugated iron, and uh, we cl- sort of tried to get the mics in as close as we could <laughs> without um, melting them. <laughs> I detect. 
<laughs> well, it's and we threw loads of petrol over the organ, so we didn't know quite just how much, you know, the, how far the flames were going were gonna to go. Yeah. Um, what a sound. So what, what happened? Sound. How were the mics? The mics are okay. The mics are okay. Um, we sort of, we actually did put sort of wind, uh, wind, sort of, sort of, some sort of wind thing on them. Jeez, um, I thought that would make them more combustible. <laughs> it probably would have, yeah. Uh, but it was such a loud sound that the mics were actually, where we'd positioned them, were, were quite cool, actually. They were kind of safe enough, but um, what a sound, though. It's just, it was a reed organ, big reed organ, so as it just, as oh, all it, the keys started to melt, stuff would come through all the different, um, you know, smoke would come out through all the reeds, and the sound just, oh, we snapped off that some keys awesome. to make it A minor. Did it make it on a record? It did actually made it on a Rocket Gold Star album called Soft Eject. So I think we need a link to oh, the uh, to the sound <laughs> file of this guy. I'll I'll, up, I'll see if I can find the raw burning file and put it up on SoundCloud because it's an amazing evolving thing. And I mean, it is kind of extreme kind of recording, but wow, it's amazing. It just goes through so many phases. Uh, I love it. I love it at the, the end, just as a motor. Different reads. Did it play different? variations it, of chords and things or different it sort of did except it, it happened so fast and just this big almighty satanic chord comes out you know <laughs> it's just uh that sounds yeah. absolutely awesome i and think it went on and it went on and it went on until the you know until the motor finally burnt and then you can just hear it whir and the, and the whole thing kind of just comes down and you hear this whir of the motor just getting wow and it's a lovely kind of it, it sort of uh Ends it really nicely. I'm liking um, it. I'm liking it. Yeah, but it is quite a fearful sound. It oh, really is. sounds quite fearfully being described that way. Uh, what about <laughs> you then, Dave? Um, most extreme recording you can think uh, of. Well, don't forget, I used to be a kind of location uh, recording. Ah, you must have a fabulous st- tale then. Uh, the worst one for me was on a. Actually, there was a few. There was one right in the Thames estuary where we were kind of jumping from ship to ship in a really nasty gale, and of course, I had the big. Umatic, it wasn't Umatic, it was Digibeater, but the big machine, you know, before they were connected to cameras with the umbilical cord to the camera and boom, and we were jumping from ship to ship and I just thought this could go horribly wrong. But I think the worst one for me was we were filming a load of dredging in the, I think it was the Humber Estuary, and they have these massive piles that they just sort of drive down into the seabed and you climb on them. So the cameraman thought it was a really hilarious idea to make me uh, record a load of stuff and just left me there basically and as <laughs> and as as the uh as i was kind of and i hate heights i really hate heights and it was pretty high and it's just this kind of big metal pole you know with kind of metal steps either side that i was up with this thing on my back and this stupid boom mic and as i was kind of debating whether to plead for help or just wet myself um <laughs> one of the dredges came past and did that almighty <laughs> Which of course Both. I had hands on, and the limit is just kind of cutting in, and it was just horrible. It was really horrible. But I have to say, I always thought I was a bit of a kind of. I never shied away from a scrap, but when I was on a dredger with real men, I was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of know. I now know who to walk away from a fight with, because yeah. these guys were huge, and they just live on those things for years. Wow, they're hard. They're hard guys. But yeah. A lot of lot of stuff. I did some filming in a seven 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 when they first came out, filming the fuselage swaying around, you know, recording all the creaking movements. There were no, what, there was no in seats. flight, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took off from Heath. In fact, there's a brilliant story. We were doing this for BA, and obviously, this is before kind of nine eleven or anything. But um, it was like when British Airways took delivery of these triple sevens, and obviously, they were working quite closely in conjunction with Boeing over safety measures. So. BA is saying to us, okay, so point the camera down the fuselage with no seats in, you can get all the sway and we can see how flexible the fuselage is and everything like that. You have to film the engines, we're on the top of the hangar looking down, I wasn't comfortable with that. But the best bit was they asked us to go to the end of a runway and film the plane taking off. So Towards nice you. Until, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hawaii Five O style, which is fine. Until it gets theory. really close. But it looks... Well, the problem is, is that when you've got a big digi-beta camera on top of a tripod, from a distance, it kind of looks like a rocket launch. <laughs> <laughs> and we lasted about five minutes before we were thrown in jail. <laughs> uh. The eight guys had to kind of come out and get us. I dread to think what it would what be like now. We'd just be deported to Guantanamo probably immediately without yeah. anything. Wow. But yeah, that was quite entertaining. So there you go. That's pretty extreme. I can't think of it. I, I did actually have a project um, which was about Native American. Uh, it was a Native American narrative, and it was uh, a friend of mine um, uh, was interviewing lots of Native American people in situ and showing them photographs from a very early kind of uh, interior uh, photographic mission. Um, I've forgotten the name of the chap. And they were commenting on, you know, the, what they were seeing, like, you know, the, the growing of the wild, wild rice and tobacco and making maple syrup and birch bark canoes and stuff. And it was invariably massively window, it, it, windy everywhere. So it was in Wisconsin. So my job was to clean up all of that dialogue and try and make it usable to be played back in this kind of CD-ROM presentation. And that, that was very challenging because, I mean, wind just masks everything, basically. You can't really do much about it. So, uh, yeah. But... I do know that Carl uh, recorded a vocal that made it onto uh, one of their tracks. He recorded that on a plane from, uh, I can't remember where it was from, but it was to Tokyo. I think the track is called JAL to Tokyo. Ah. And that was just the laptop mic that he kind of sung into. That seemed to work. Wow. I think they had to cover it up with all sorts of electronic noise nonsense. Yeah. Uh, That's uh, the trick though, isn't it? Yeah, when I mask quite, it. Quite often if I've recorded something and it's got a click in it and I don't want to have to, or I can't, get rid of the click i'll just put something percussive on top of the click and so nice in a digital audio workstation you just slide things around and stick them on top of things that you want to disappear and they just kind of can't be heard anymore wow yeah that sounds great um the, well that was the first uh, question that sort of came out of this the second was uh, what could it possibly be the most expensive video ever shot when yeah, I was going to say, it's a bit elitist, isn't it? <laughs> no one's going to match that, really, are they? You know? Well, it's funny you should say that. Uh, I did actually find this great... Um, if I see, there's this this uh, chart of the most expensive videos ever shot, and it's sort of inflation-adjusted 2013. Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson, the most expensive, $7 million at the time, equivalent to $10 million now. Madonna, Die Another Day, equivalent to a 7.6. Madonna, Express Yourself, 89, $9 million equivalent. Michael Jackson, black or white, 6.7. These are kind of uh, some pretty extreme amounts. And if you notice, there's almost nothing above a million dollars in the last kind of five or six years. So obviously those days are gone. But they, um, there was a really interesting article on Gizmodo 
which was just sort of, was it the most expensive? If you spread out the International Space Station's price tag across all the astronaut hours spent on board, you come up with about 7.5 million per person per day, or roughly $90 a second. That sounds like a lot, but at that rate, a five and a half minute video only runs at about $30,000. Given that the video has done more for the space industry than the millions... uh, in um, public outreach, uh, but that, that's only the actual running time. That's not the amount of time it took to film. But uh, I suppose. Well, it, also you're basing it. Sorry, I'm sorry. You're basing it on a 24-hour day, and they're accelerated to how many thousands of miles per hour? Gosh, I don't know. That's a good question. So, so you've got the time play in there as well, you know. So, on a minute to minute, a minute in space traveling it. 17,000 miles per hour may not be a minute. Um, oh, man, that's a really... So when you get the master right, tapes right. home from... When you've recorded... The, you Say you've recorded all your audio out there, you come back, and it's either, you know, you've got a very specific brief to it. It has to be three and a half minutes long, and you get back and it's nine minutes long, or it's a second long, depending on, you know, somewhere between those parameters. Could it be different? Very good. That's a really interesting... Uh, probably a little too much for my, my adult brain to... Uh, to, to think you're going to need some very, very, very good time stretch, aren't you? You're going to need like, a really <laughs> good algorithm. Talk about elastic audio. Yeah, yeah. NASA, NASA time stretch algorithm. That's what, gr- I, what I want to know is how much more money would it cost for them to do for him to sing the song outside? Because <laughs> theoretically, he'd have to be very close mic because sound can't travel in the vacuum. So once you get outside, there's no, you know, the sound would be weird, wouldn't it? It would be weirder than anything we've. Well, ever it would sound, and also it would sound like I haven't got any buckets close to hand. But if I was uh, to say something, it might sound a bit like that vocal might sound. I don't know because it would be it would be very close and very sort of, you know, yeah, I mean, it would in ambience. There and would be helmet. zero ambience. Because you'd have to have a helmet on. You can't go outside. No. And playing the guitar, <laughs> that would well, be impossible. No, because there's no pressure. Mm. That's why not. That's what th- that was another question that came to mind, actually, was if you were recording in space, how does the diaphragm in the microphone work? Because there's a fact that you're in a... Well, it's a pressure. Yeah, that ah, that's fine. true. Yeah. But but no, it, with no gravity, though. But it also has to have a resonance to it because even when it's floating, it's it's got a resonance. <laughs> it wouldn't make much noise, but it would it would have a resonance. To That's it. a cra- I'm sorry, I've got to bring this one up. Uh, Acosonic says in the chat room, in space, no one can hear you strum. <laughs> <laughs> that gets the show title definitely that's a cracking absolutely cracking thank you very much for that that's a that's a brilliant <laughs> awesome ah there you go dave you're going to give us a little round all right here we go <laughs> boom tish <laughs> that is have awesome you, have you seen the the one where he performs with um bare naked ladies then as well have you oh, there's more that? no i didn't know that well, yeah, they're in space too. Good grief! No, but if you ha- now, I'm wondering about the latency in that show. You see, they, they they're doing it as like a kind of live performance with a choir and bare naked ladies, and then a big video screen with with that that Chris Hadfield guy playing and singing along live. He should but, really be doing a duet with the guy from Metallica, though, shouldn't he? <laughs> that would be the awesomest awesomeness. Have uh, James Hadfield on uh, bass. Oh. <laughs> a guitar is that him no have james i got james james hetfield oh that's close enough close enough i mean if you're if we're talking being sort of thirty five thousand miles away then one consonant is surely close enough <laughs> mm-hmm. 
to cover my um, lack of education. Um, uh, well, let, uh, actually, we'll just before we get onto our next topic. Uh, that was a great fun one, actually, and we got more mileage than I care to. Uh, than I expected out of that one. I would just want to say thank you very much to our show sponsor. And, and this is the point where you can find out what to do to win a copy of Iris. So if I press this button here, the ad will play. Uh, it should play. Interestingly enough, it's not playing. There we go. Isotope, of course, are our sponsors of Sonic Talk. Uh, very much appreciate their uh, continued sponsorship of the show. And th- what we're talking about this week is the Iris. This is the fabulous... Basically... Spectral synthesis. It allows you to uh, take visual elements of any sound, force up to four sounds. You can kind of take spectral selections of it, a natural intuitive selection, manipulate your audio visually, and you can apply synthesis control to your selection, layer up and morph new textures. You can enjoy warm, lush filters, delays, reverbs, choruses, effects you can add to it. Lots of sound libraries available too. Mix the sounds of wood, glass, food, toys, voice, altered and prepared objects. And in fact, as a recent one, there's been a uh, modular synthesizer um, library as well. Basically, if you want to get hold of this, you can download a free demo of Iris, which uh, I can thoroughly recommend. I don't think it's limited in any way. You don't get the full uh, gubbins, but you've got a 10-day free free trial, isotope.com slash iris. But if you want to actually win, we have one copy to give away, one and one only. And what you should do is leave a comment below, basically saying why you should win it. And we'll pick the most uh, amusing, relevant, worthy one, uh, whichever. You can leave it in the YouTube comments or the comments of the show notes, which should be on the Sonic State site. And uh, and we'll we'll um, let you know next week uh, whether you've won or not. But thank you very much. Once again, if you want your 10-day, or if you want your free 10-day trial, isotope.com forward slash iris. So, uh, we seem to have dropped Rich. I'm just going to check there what's going on. I just got a... Uh, no, I'm here. Ah, I'm here. no, we haven't. Oh, sorry, your video went... No. Okay. I, I took a bite to eat. So ah, that's okay. Well, I appreciate your uh, your your selective use of airtime. Thank you much. If you Apart do from... see my picture disappear, that's what happened. Ah, okay. Not like you, Dave. Everybody's always saying, why is Dave Spears always eating? I had an email the other day saying, yeah, why are you eating on Sonic State? I'm like, dude, that's my lunch hour. <laughs> 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 Poor fucker. Uh, anyway, right. So that's our next topic will be... Um, uh, that's a cool idea. The next one. Oh, this was awesome. Uh, uh, now, this is uh, from, um, well, it's, it's basically from Future Music. Uh, and I've seen this before. But this is uh, essentially, uh, this Benj in his uh, studio, which is, as you can see, an awesome collection of uh, synths. Okay, th- and he's basically just showing how modular sequencing and patching works. And it's just brilliant. He starts off on the big Moog. I think that's a 55. Is that right, Dave? Is it a 55? Um, 3C, sorry about that. And then he goes on to the ARC 2500, and then he goes on to the Surge modular, and then the Roland sister. It's it's an absolutely fantastic video. It really is, I have to say. Um, and, and one that's just kind of full of fun. And lots. I've never heard a Surge modular. I've never heard uh, an ARC 2500 either. But if you want to see what his uh, studio looks like, there's a, a bit of a kind of uh, a bunch of pictures here. It looks... Absolutely got. I mean, there's the wall of modulars, and I think that looks like a Sony Oxford. Is that a Sony Oxford there? I didn't look at the desk. I've been there, but I didn't look. It's like a little. It's not too up too much other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, Benj. More gear than sense. No, that's a complete. No, he's done. I'm because I I have to say the work that he did on uh, the John Fox album. I think is just brilliant. He is 
utterly, utterly brilliant and a really, really ace guy to work with. We, Chris and I went in there and did a load of recording. In fact, some of it is uh, on the Iris Library and he was a complete joy to work with and that studio is just stunning. Once you've got over the kind of... Oh, you know, that's half a day gone. So he's quids in, really, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> Pay by the, the hour. It's beautiful. And the, yeah, the, the Moog. The Moog is actually, there's a, there's a lot of uh, .com modules, I think, that sequence of stuff. Ah, uh, okay. But Moog, it, it's just beautiful. And we were, we spent most of the time discussing how much we pay to get our gear repaired and how often that happens. And But it's just brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. It's I, just uh, there's the sort of the wall of the wall of loveliness. It's great, Dave. Uh, Rich, sorry, you had a comment as to what that desk was. Do you know what it is? No, I don't. Uh, I, it, it's it might be an old Digidesign C twenty four Focusrite design, or it may. Uh, or if those are screens, then it might be a, a, a Euphonics custom desk. I, I just because of the way the screens are, it could be even a soundcraft. I couldn't tell if they were screens or if those were uh, knobs. Ah, they're but, screens, yeah. They are screens. Oh, there are screens? Yeah. Then I don't know. No. Somebody's mm. digital desk. Interesting. Know. But it just shows that the uh, the world doesn't can't have enough uh, modular love. And that's I mean I'm 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 hoping I'm still trying to get this problem I have with most modular manufacturers or distributors is they just never get it together to reply to any emails. So uh uh, the communications are always very poor, but I have this idea to do like a week of filters or a week of uh, um, uh, what was the other thing effects or a week. You know, so I've got all five five days of uh, and and just do very quick, a bit like the boss um, thirty days of pedals. So I'm waiting for that that to come through. But there seems to be an enormous appetite for this kind of stuff, um, and it's just. I must admit, this was one of my. This is a very secret guilty pleasure. This one, I could watch it. I only watched it once through. I could watch it a load of times. But but you said you've been there, Dave. Um, but he's, he's brilliant. Cr- we should go up there. We should go up there because he's really obliging. And uh, yeah, we should just descend on him mob handed. And he'd really appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure he would, <laughs> even if he had a booking. <laughs> uh, well, when I, I uh, when I, who was I talking to? Was it Chris Barker? And Chris said that you know he's booked up pretty uh, a lot now I yeah well i can some, imagine some people just company. want to use that stuff don't they yeah that uh, once again that was a future music uh video a great great piece actually and it just looks like they got the best out of him so yeah nice nice work uh have i tried tony from make noise um says um uh sonic 1485 in the chat room um i i've spoken to him a few times tony rolando yeah he's a great he is a great guy i'd like to get him on um, but he's in America, so maybe we'll have to do something remote with that, but that would be fun. Um, the, the Surge modular is really quite something. It did sound really nice, actually. I've never heard one. Is it? What's the characteristic of it? I mean, it's a, it had a, some sort of FME kind of patch going on there, so it's hard to tell what the pure oscillator sounded like. Yeah, I mean, pretty cool. I've got, I'll, I'll maybe send you through some recordings we did that kind of didn't make the final cut, because mm. really brilliantly rhythmic stuff. I think... You know, in a lot of these cases with the formant stuff and the surge stuff and buckler stuff, I yeah. think the adjective I'd describe, I'd use to describe what they do is mental. Wow, sounds great. I did. Uh, I actually got a phone call from a chap. Um, I won't mention his name now, but he's 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 got uh, ARP twenty five hundred fully working. He's waiting for it to come back. He's just getting it serviced, and he's got some spare cabinets. And he said, "Oh, I'm local, like in the bath area." So, do you fancy coming along and having a look at it? And I was like, "Yeah, hell yeah, I'd love to. That sounds great fun." But uh, it looks insanely 
unfamiliar to use all <laughs> that kind of it's actually in some ways easier than the moog because the you know the patch cords are those sliders uh, okay. So you don't have to kind of continually follow these kind of patch cords and go, oh, where's that one plumbed into? Particularly, you know, especially if you haven't got them color coded. Whereas with the twenty five hundred stuff, seems to make more sense to me. It particularly if you're used to that kind of VCS three type matrix. Uh, okay. Rich, did you work on? Because obviously you did this whole music stuff back in the. Oh, I, was <laughs> I just folded my arm. <laughs> That's an everyday uh, percussion accident. <laughs> no, but you worked on modulars and stuff back in your uh, uni days, didn't you? Did they have 2500 then? I was in a room with a 2500 once, but I never actually operated it. I was there visiting at the Boston School of Electronic Music in, I don't know, 1976 or something. And they had, because ARP was a local business concern they had everything arp including a 2500 that was the only time i ever saw one and i didn't get to play with it ah well i'm hoping that uh the chap who phoned me and didn't leave me his number (laughs) will get back to me and then uh, we could do something because he sounds like a quite an interesting fellow uh, and I'm hoping that I will get that. So, uh, but um, failed music in the chat room seems to think he knows who it is. So maybe he can mail me con- uh, privately, and I could get in touch with him and say, "Yes, I would really like to." Gaz, yeah, great video. You need. I mean, did you watch it? You watched it. You yeah, wa- I thought it was great. I mean, because I, 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 I'm like a beginner to all of that world, and just as a, as an introduction to like what what uh, what the Moog modular sounds like compared to the ARP, compared to the Roland 100, yeah. compared to the Surge, and just him doing a similar, the similar thing. He kind of puts the same kind of modules together and does a similar thing. And it's just a great way of just really appreciating the differences between these you know, beautiful machines. And um, I, I, I thought, wow, yeah, what a lovely... And, and he's, I think the thing about modulars is really nice. It really does inspire people and kind of give people real, absolute enthusiasm for these. There's still an element of the mad scientist about it, isn't there? (sighs) Especially when it's a wall of that size. It's just kind of impossible to argue with. It's so such an imposing thing. It's it's, fabulous. And it's great because if you've got a studio that you rent out at X amount for the studio and X amount for the studio and engineer, if you've got a wall of modulars, they're always going to go, can we have the engineer, please? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we recorded we filmed actually loads and loads of stuff in benji's studio and then uh, when we went to hand that over to isotope i listened to it and obviously we were going into the desk and recording from the desk so in effect what we'd recorded on film was just chris and i talking crap all day <laughs> long and it was just banter 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 so much so a lot of it was libelous probably um but so much so that i actually rec- removed the audio track from the video stuff <laughs> before i handed it over to isotope <laughs> always best in that situation eh? <laughs> i didn't have time to listen to it all you know just a few snippets you thought yeah it, yeah that's enough <laughs> Well, once again, that's the advantage of listening to the show live. Although we do try and keep our uh, potty mouths and uh, libelous uh, 
um, glands to minimum. Sometimes it just happens. So if you come and watch the show, I see we've got a bumper chat room this week. So thank you very much. It must be doing something right. Um, Can I just say, there's uh, somebody said there's one on eBay for £6,000 now. There what, 2500 Yeah, yeah, and it's a scam. And somebody else says, yeah, but is it Nigeria by any chance? And there is, right at this moment in time, a Chamberlain M1 that is absolutely 100% guaranteed a scam that purports to be from Avon, but the shipping comes from Scotland. The guy knows nothing about it. And in fact, I've got those pictures of the same instrument because it was an auction done ages ago. So uh, I've reported it and anybody else, don't go near it with a barge pole. Right. Uh, well, thank you for that, Gar- Um that we should have I'm, uh, there should be probably well actually I think we did try and look into that when we used to run classifieds we thought of the idea of running kind of buyer beware things but the, the opportunities for, for people just posting horrible things about people they don't like is just so great that we uh, we shied away from it in the end there was but, some guy selling an AKS and it turned out it was our AKS <laughs> So I was saying to Chris, wow, you know, this is amazingly priced. And then Chris was like, yeah, scam. And then we went, hang on a minute, we've got all our serial numbers logged. This just, oh, it's ours. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, so I went, and I was busted yeah. by the police. <laughs> and then Chris said, why are you selling that, Dave? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, great fun. If you get the chance to check it out, please do, because it really is quite special. Um, I don't know whether anybody else has anything. Oh, sorry, Mark, I didn't come to you. I I, I, I know you know, like to tickle with... So, you sort of tend to... T- I mean, I was impressed, and that's all I can say. But I, I just I started watching that video and thought, this is going to be interesting. And then he got another modular system out, and I thought, wow, he's got two. <laughs> and then he got another one... <laughs> Wow, and then another one, and then, you know, I'm like, yeah. Jesus, okay. I mean, the, my only comment would be, please don't do sequences that go da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Can I have one that goes da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da? Put a gap in it somewhere, because it makes it slightly more interesting. Ah, what, do you mean like Talking Heads, we're on a road to nowhere, perhaps? Yeah. That one. Gonna spend all day creating things like that. Release the bloody things. Put them on iTunes because some of the, those evolving kind of sequency things, because it's analog, it doesn't just stay locked in and sounding like a never-ending, always repeating loop. It kind of evolves over time. So there's no reason why you couldn't stick that onto iTunes. And I'd buy it actually. <laughs> I'd definitely listen on Spotify. You and Dave. Artist AWOL, artist without a label, and release it. Right. Well, that's a good top tip. Yeah. The next time I do some um, aimless meandering on the uh, on on the module, I might think about that myself. Although I, I suspect uh, it's not going to work quite so well. Um, uh, there was another. There was another one. This was the uh, the news of the new Rain book, which is uh, uh, this kind of hugely highly specified 17-inch laptop, three SSDs, up to 32 gigs of RAM, quad-core extreme, and then some up to three gigahertz uh, solid-state drives. Uh, it comes as standard. Um, designed for the visually inclined. It's got loads of I.O. It's just, you know, card reader. But uh, some astonishing stuff, two and a half grand, um, which doesn't, 17-inch, which actually sounds, it's actually pretty... Um, uh, what am I trying to say? It seems pretty reasonable when you compare it to kind of the ice, the, the top of the range i7 MacBook, which is only 15 inch. I mean, obviously you don't get the kind of design beauty of it or what have you, and you don't get the Mac OS, although it's possible to. But it it, it seems like there's not very many of these sort of super laptops in the world, although there there are a few. And I, I just thought, oh, I really quite fancy one of those. I'm kind of I like the idea of it. But um, Gaz, you got a 17 inch laptop. Do you find kind of lugging that around a bit of a pain, or is it? 
Is it okay if you've got the right luggage? I, but we're not going to get started on luggage. Oh, Sorry. he's gone. Um, no, I'm here. He's quiet. Uh, oh. Can you not hear? Oh, ah, there, there you go. go. That's better. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, no, it's not too bad, 17. It's not too bad. Uh, I've recently bought a Mac Mini, and I'm thinking of getting a another Mac Mini as well as a portable rig, as, in, as in, instead of a laptop, um, and having a little mobile screen or even using the iPad as a screen. Uh, so I'm just looking into other ideas as uh, instead of taking laptops out, just uh, largely to do with connectivity. If you're in a hotel and they've got an HD TV, you can just plug it straight into it. Yeah, a friend of mine does that. And sort of, um, That's a good point. Yeah. HD TVs are everywhere now, aren't they? You know, yeah. huge, huge ones. Um, so, yeah, so I, <clears throat> I think the Mac Mini actually... So if you're going to buy a Mac, which they are expensive and maybe a bit overly expensive, but the Mac Minis is a is a good. Yeah, I just recently swapped the ones around here. Actually, the, yeah, the show's being recorded on our slightly more well-powered uh, Mac Mini, which is a sorry, 2. I've done 7. this thing again. We're talking about a Windows piece, uh, Windows laptop. <laughs> I'm talking about Macs, which and but I yeah. hate Apple. So what am I doing anyway? It, look, it looks um, pretty cool though, and I wonder you might yeah. be able to do. It might be able to do a, a Hackintosh thing if you're that way inclined. But uh, mm. one thing that was interesting about this is, is there's no Thunderbolt on it, which is really surprising. And I, I, I would imagine that you know now a days one would expect that this to be yeah. start to be de, de rigueur. Have you, heard, have you heard about the the USB three version two? Which I think oh my God. will be live. USB three version two. That's snappy. Isn't yeah, it? which is uh, double the bandwidth of USB three, which is you know at its current three squared. Uh, USB <laughs> USB twelve. <laughs> um, uh, no, I haven't. But I mean, so, it, it's well, irrelevant because it's not you know. Where well, is no. It? But what pundits what pundits are saying is just worth mentioning that um, that 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 because the USB is so because USB is just so. Um, you know, widely adopted as a format, uh, that Thunderbolt, it might actually scuffer Thunderbolt's uh, chances because... Uh, the, the, it's a cheaper license. The, the specification for USB 3, especially the version 2, you know, you can do fast video, audio, all at the same time through the one port. Ah, that's true. Of course, sorry, Cosmic Lettuce. Uh, yeah, 3 squared is 9, of course. Um, <laughs> I, I'm bad. Uh, I never got maths. So, so just saying about Thunderbolt, it's just possible that Thunderbolt may not take off as intended. Do you think it's being destined to become the Betamax of, uh, of the uh, format wars? I don't know. I mean, I guess because Max have got it, there'll be a sort of built-in thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there uh, are a few. There are, however, a few laptops with um, with Thunderbolt. There's a great article on PCWorld.com uh, which which just sort of says what you can get. The Acer do some uh, Aspire S5. Uh, let's see, I might be able to switch to that. Um, let's see, might be able to make it a bit bigger. Uh, Ultrabook, Lenovo, ThinkPack Edge. They're all over about a 1000 bucks, but nothing like as expensive as these things. I suppose that's the thing about Thunderbolt. I mean, I, I haven't had the opportunity to use it a great deal here, though uh, Andy's got some drives attached to it. Rich, you use it a lot. I mean, is it is it worth singing and dancing about, or do you think the USB 3 before? I suppose it might not be so good for... Double the bandwidth on USB still probably isn't fast enough for doing monitors, I would imagine. I can't speak to the new USB 3. No. I can speak to the existing USB 3, and it's a, you know, the promises that it's 10 times faster than USB 2 appear to be true. Um, Thunderbolt works great for me. 
is a really, really cool breakout box I saw recently by Belkin that takes a Thunderbolt connection and turns it into like eight different connections, including Firewire and USB 3 and Ooh, Ethernet, Ethernet yeah, and all kinds of quid. other stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's $300 here. But, yeah. But, uh, and that's their retail. I imagine you can probably get it for less than that. But, but uh, it's a pretty cool way of taking something like my computer, which is a MacBook Air and has a limited number of gazintas and gazoutas, and uh, get a whole lot of intas and outas uh, out of that one port. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, just, just to, um, just for comparison. Um, I think it's about two four nine nine for the rain computer, and the reason I brought it up is because we posted it on uh, Sonic, and it just got a massive amount. You know, it was a really popular story, and it's just interesting because so there must be a demand, and people are like, oh yeah, I fancy the uh, fifteen inch, the top of the range fifteen inch Mac is two point seven gigahertz uh, Intel Core i seven Turbo Boost up to three seven, and that's two thousand eight hundred bucks. So you know, it's it's uh, it's got a five twelve gig gig flash, so I suppose that's uh, something, and it probably runs a couple of monitors, definitely. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. I I I'm just kind of I want to, I want a new computer that's really fast to run everything on. I suppose because all of this stuff's starting to sort of creak a bit, <laughs> and that looked cool. I wonder if they'd like to send us a few so that we can just evaluate them and have them products. They need what they. The problem is with this this laptop is while it's a, 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 it's got a great name, it just doesn't look. Like it's anything other than you know a, a bog standard laptop case. It needs to be pink or something so it stands out. And it's I haven't quite got that. I don't know what's on the back. Oh, there might be hood on sides. We can have a look at that. What does it do on the sides then? Yeah, it looks a bit normal. They need to they need to brand it out. They need to it needs to be um, blinged up a bit. I reckon. Then they they can they'll probably people will be asking. Anyway, that's my opinion. Uh, but everybody else here seems to be perfectly happy with their Macs. Well, maybe not pink. Okay, something. Gas, were you about to chip in there? Save me from a. I, I, I would a, agree. I another... would agree. It's a very dull-looking thing, isn't it? And I mean, you know, Apple always thrives on making, just getting that kind of consumer love. You know, that nice thing you want to, you want it, and that. Yeah, you look at that, and it's it doesn't look that special, but mm, yeah, you know, powerful block. Powerful it certainly unit. is. Uh, right. Uh, oh, this one was good. This is Jazari Patrick Flanagan. Um, let's see. Uh, that was B video number. Um, is it? I don't know what it is. Oh, what's the time? Actually, we could we could do this, or we could do a creative hearing reset, which I thought was quite an interesting topic as well. Because uh, I, I imagine we've all got different ways of dealing with this. Actually, I'll do that because that's um, possibly a bit more um, um, something we can all contribute to. Uh, so if I hit that button there. There's an article on Reddit, which is the Audio Engineering Reddit, which is a great resource for certainly for, for podcast topics and uh, lots of other things. Besides, this is uh, by um, uh, submitted by Boozy Two. Uh, after long days of tracking and mixing, I always get uh, my ears burnt out, and I'll be sure I can only track bands for a few hours each day because if we go too long, my listening skills suffer, and I accidentally end up performing and, and tuning editing errors slip by after a long day my hearing seems compressed and muddy it can be hard to get the ears feeling normal again what do you guys do to refresh your hearing after long hours of work i'm guessing um it might be you know if you're tracking and you're, you're micing stuff up you might be exposed to sort of quite loud volume but it can it doesn't necessarily have to be loud sometimes if it's just continuous it can be hard i mean dave i'm guessing sorry um rich i'm guessing you know you're probably working in the studio day on day in day out more than most of us how do you kind of manage your ear breaks and what have you? <laughs> Look at him there. He's, dig- he's digging away. 
Ah. <laughs> um, I just don't listen very loud. I don't. I. It's not even ear breaks for me. It's brain breaks. Yeah. It's. I don't listen loud enough to need ear breaks that badly. I think uh, Mark can attest to this. And whenever anybody walked in and tried to, I either had earplugs in or I left the room. Yeah. So, I, uh, so, I don't know if you remember that, Mark, but whenever yeah, anybody there starts twisting well, that Andy volume up. I think Andy Taylor's got yeah. carbon fiber ears because he just, I left the room when he was in the, in the yeah, control room. Yeah, he just, just turns the volume absolutely. knob until it stops. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, I can only see the top and of your head at the moment. nodding his head and you think, that must be hurting. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes loud music helps kind of generate in th- because often when you listen, when you're working on music for a long time, and if it's the sort of music that has an element of excitement to it, you lose that when you start to listen to it analytically. So sometimes, if you turn it up loud for a quick blast, it kind of does it still generate that? Does it kind of fire up? Well, I think maybe that's what people that. are trying to do. So no, I do that. I do turn it up once in a while to check it, and 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 I don't listen at whisper volumes either. But I, I don't. My ears don't get fatigued. My brain gets fatigued. So what do you do? Do you do you just sort of take a break and come get back for ten yeah, minutes? Yeah, do something else. Yeah, it's like I think that's one of Brian Eno's oblique strategies. I think the one of those cards you turn over says, "Go do something else." Yeah, that would be Very all seven topic, of mine. Yeah. yeah, that's what I used, that's what I do. I mean, because sometimes you know you can get to the situation. I've I've had this before. It's really it's very unusual where I'm working and working and working on something and I can't solve a problem. And then suddenly it's almost like I have a physical reaction to being in front of the computer and I have to get away from it, otherwise I'm going to cry or something. It's really peculiar. It doesn't happen very often, but I mean, um, fortunately not when I've been in front of clients or anything. But um, I guess it is quite important to take a break. I mean, this is the thing that, that we find. I mean, lots of people kind of... What, there's a chap who works in a... There's lots of great comments, actually, in this um, in this thread uh that you know suggest you know one chap goes out to the car and just listens to classical music for um for 10 minutes and then comes back and keeps it nice and quiet i know mark what how about yourself i mean do you you tend to work in short sort of bursts of creativity so uh, tend to yeah when you're working on your own stuff what about if you're working for clients how do you handle it drink a bottle of red wine or two (laughs) (laughs) and everything sounds great (laughs) if i stop working i suppose um, I don't know. How do I do it? I mean, I had someone here the other day and we were recording something. And I noticed that I just, after a while, my ears just ring really badly now. And I think I've got, um, the doctor called it some, something to do. He said I've got a low, uh, a low something or other threshold. So I'm really, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with sound now because I've sort of, I've taken to listen to thing, listening to things really quietly when I'm working and then I forget and I turn things up and then, I suppose I'm working in short bursts because I've got a child here to look after and he goes, Dad, shut up! <laughs> well, that's <laughs> an interesting thought, though. I mean, but the, the thing is, awful. having a limitation of I can only do this for a very short period of time, it's bound to focus the mind and you're kind of going to discard things that are uh, less, the more of a kind of uh, creative cul-de-sac because you haven't got the time to spare. So you have to be... F- sort of more clear about an idea before you go right i've got 15 minutes to pursue that rather than oh i'll just tinker around with the length of the hi-hat note for the next six hours yes exactly but it also rolls around in the back of my mind whereas before i'd sort of start writing a song and unless i finished this i would like be thinking oh god you know i'm never going to come back to that but i've found myself coming back to things now i've got this tinnitus problem so i'll do it for a little bit and then i'll walk away and then i'll and then the song continues in my head 
and ideas continue in my head. Ah, okay. And, and I then start you come... solving problems in my head and thinking I could come back to it actually and do that. So I actually, I've never really walked away from things and spent time away from things. I've always worked in long blocks and then ended up yeah, going. Yeah, I, I was used to, but I started to do that. Um, I think it was like the second time around when we started doing remixes around around the turn of the century god that's terrible isn't it but uh, the sort of second phase of stuff we did a lot of radio mixes in the US and it was kind of we were both doing other stuff I was doing Sonic stuff and my, my partner was doing something else and we just kind of went yeah let's get together tonight and see what happens and it's like nah okay let's come back tomorrow and it was brilliant working that way because you just there was just no pressure you just go ah, it'll, it'll be we'll figure it out tomorrow there's no point in sitting here and just making everybody feel rubbish and hating the song so let's just go away and yeah. come back I mean if you've got that luxury obviously lots of people don't I know Gaz you actually you know because you're doing mastering you're st- still doing sessions there are sit- times when you have to you know sit there and do stuff I mean I guess if you're working on your own thing you can kind of be the master of your own uh, uh, destiny but uh, how do you handle that with mastering it's uh, for me if I listen too much I'll lose my perspective so I like to uh, I like to do uh, an instinctive equalization uh-huh. Thing I like to do it quite instinctive, not 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 get too bogged down in the technical side of it, and I'll just I'll just adjust it until I feel it's. Um, uh, oh, have you gone? No, I'm still here. Oh, sorry, <laughs> it just all went quiet. Uh, I like to just do something quite instinctive, leave it. I like to not listen to music for a moment, or you know, have a little chat with the people who are there. Probably a long chat. <laughs> Come back, listen to it a little bit more. And then just keep in taking lots of small breaks. Uh, that's with mastering. Mixing uh, is very different for me. But mastering, I have to... If I call it the realm of infinite adjustability, you know. And as soon as you lose your perspective, it, it's really hard to get it back. So maintaining the perspective is just absolutely crucial. Um, so, you know, so I say I'll work quickly, do something that... There's just quite an em- almost like an emotional reaction to the music as I hear it. Right. Take a little bit of time out, come back then and listen to it. I suppose if you're, uh, yeah, if you're working on emotional response, you have to then come back and check, I suppose. And check, and check with what about more a more time. a reference? Do you come back to a reference? Because assume, assuming your hearing's shifting over time as you're mastering that person's album, yeah. is there something that you keep coming back to and going, that's my benchmark or that's my reference yeah. or that? Yeah, that's something uh, I know that I know when yeah. my ears have shifted, then I need to shift this way slightly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've got like a handful of references that I do come back to if I do feel I have completely lost the the plot. But again, this realm of infinite adjustability—that is the—that's what—that's what I think we're up against. Really, it's just you know, yeah, what you can is, just do what is right. You know, mm. well, that is different from that, but is it any better? You know, you can. Zap. Perspective the rules, is very the easy. rules have changed because it used to be you've got to fit it on the side of an LP and if you put too much bass in it, that's not going to work. And if you do this yeah. too much, it's not going to fit on there and blah, 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 blah. We don't have those rules anymore. We don't even have the 74-minute rule on CD anymore. I could write a 57-day-long a piece of music and <laughs> sell it on iTunes. Good night. <laughs> Probably not, actually. No, maybe not. I, don't, I, I think... How, how long would the preview preview be of a set of a fifty-seven day long piece of music? Is it at a percentage of the uh, the uh, the overall track, or is it just? Okay, I'm t- sorry, I've overegged the metaphor. <laughs> no, that's my fault for t- it's tablets. I tell you, <laughs> uh, Dave Spears. Hmm. 
And how do you how do you uh, handle that kind of thing? I mean, I, I I guess for you, music is probably you know production. Certainly, making music is taken around the space that work fills. So it's perhaps a different a different dynamic. Yeah, that's kind of my own release. Yeah, so it's very different. Work audio. I'm I have never been very good at taking breaks on anything. Uh, to the point where there's no doubt I've damaged my ears because of it and actually relearning. I, I always have this thing because obviously when I'm dealing with audio, let's say for something like Stream Machine or Tron, there is an inordinate amount of stuff to get to when we first hit that approach, that project, you know, it'll be de humming, let's say denoising, then retuning and then cutting up and then normalizing and trimming and you know just making sure that everything's just so and then you've got to listen to it in perspective so it's a huge task and i always i've never had the ability to kind of take regular breaks which is really stupid i kind of get i'm very edgy until i've kind of broken the back of the work and that's the only i'm probably approaching halfway through and that's the first time that I can actually think, see the light at the end of the tunnel. And on some occasions, that's actually the, the only time where I can start to sleep at night. Other than that, it's just head down, go for it. Which is funny because it kind of mirrors a quote that somebody told me a million years ago when I was in a sort of punk band, and that is, great music can be made on amphetamines, but great music has never been made on coke. And I think that kind of mindset kind of stuck with me, that whole very kind of, right, just heads down, go for it. Don't get up yourself, don't get into it, just see it as a task and do it. But unfortunately, that can wreck your ears. I'm not advocating taking speed. Mm, sure. Just drawing, it's drawing. interesting you say that. I mean, there's that, there is, isn't there, that moment when uh, you can't really see how it's going to work. I mean, I suppose in some respects... It depends on whether you've been with the music from the, its inception or whether it's just in front of you and you've got to kind of figure out the mix and kind of go. And there comes a point where you go, right, yes, I, I think I kind of got the shape. Now I can build everything on top of that. I don't know. I did, the classic I think- one for me was when I was doing... There are two really pivotal moments for me, and as a result of those things, I've, I'm really trying to relearn my work ethic uh, in terms of taking breaks regularly and doing exercise and things like that. But there were two real key moments for me. The One was where I was looping... Uh, the VSM sample. So we're talking sometimes really gnarly sawtooth waves on headphones uh, on a Saturday when I take my daughter to the swimming pool and she'd be swimming for a few hours and I'd be working. And I really liked the idea of, I'd have this gnarly thing going in my head, no crossfades, just finding the perfect loop point. And then I'd take my earphones off and the acoustics of the swimming pool against this really in-your-brain gnarly sawtooth was quite trippy. Now, I found that funny, but I think that definitely contributed to the problems that I have now. And the other one was when I was doing the Optigan pack, although this was spread out over, say, a couple of years, pretty much every evening I'd sit because I had this dream that I wanted all of those rhythms to be absolutely in the same uh, the same tempo, you know, from all of the different discs, all had to be exactly the same tempo and all had to occupy the same space so that you could mix and match. And that was an absolutely epic task. And that, those kind of tasks, you go to sleep and you're still, they, that's the nightmare, is that yeah, you go yeah, to well, sleep, that, that's you're kind dreaming of like a, that you're doing the work and then you wake up and you still got it all to do. That's <laughs> you the, sleep the job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's horrendous. So when it gets to stages like that, you know that you need to break. But yeah, it's something that I've got to relearn. 
Yeah, and that's that. I used to I used to get that as a kid. I started out when I was um, digging gardens, and I'd have like a massive garden to dig, and it was just full of uh, couch grass, which is little white roots. And I used to go to sleep, and I just see that <laughs> all the time. You know, close your eyes, and that's what I see because I'd be looking at the earth. And you get yes, those sort of repetitive tasks. I mean, you get the, I get the same thing if I'm trying to solve, if I'm doing some coding or trying to figure out how to make the servers do something, and I have to kind of learn all this this logic, and I can't. And, uh, but sometimes, like Mark says, when the, what happens then is there's a point where goes, oh, I know, I haven't tried that. Of course, that might work. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so, it, so and I think, you, you know, that's, it, it relates to the, the, the idea of um, a lot of coders are not with you. You know, you can see you're talking to them and they just don't look like they're really focusing on what's in front of them. There's just something going on. They're continuing to work. And yeah, I think yeah. that's the immersive nature of, uh, of lots of kinds of work. I mean, uh, uh, coding being one of them, I imagine um, songwriting, all of those, uh, painting, and all those I big s- creative tasks are... I have. really think that they're intrinsically linked. I mean, we, I've kind of learned to see uh, code and numbers as kind of poetry. I know that sounds pretty strange, but it is. You know, numbers is a kind of new art. And that's what I find really fascinating about when you take... Uh, really dedicated musician who, you know, hears music and everything, is constantly kind of thinking along those things, and exactly as you say with the programmer. I think the problem is, is when uh, either of those two camps thinks that they can maintain that level of output over a prolonged period of time, that's when people get fried. Well, and also there's something very uh, addictive about trying to solve a problem. I mean, just literally yesterday, um, I... um, I decided that my, my parents-in-law have a, a little place in France, which I've been down to a few times. They're getting a little bit unsteady on their feet. It's gravel. They want to put a path around the house. So I thought, oh, I know. I'll use Google SketchUp and I'll draw a 3D map of it. And then I'll, and, and it, and it works. It's bloody brilliant. I mapped the photograph onto it and then drew the thing. And, but I've just found it got to about midnight last night and I've been doing it for four hours. I thought, ah, yeah. And my hand was cramped yeah. from using the sort of trackpad. And I just thought, I better stop now because this is really silly. And that's the thing. When you get immersed in something, you just you lose time. And that's when you can probably uh, do the worst. I think when you're outputting creativity, that's good because you just. It, it's coming out, I suppose. But when you're um, when you're just sort of going round and round things, it's quite difficult. There I was think. one great, great quote I thought on this, which was uh, when you feel like turning it up to him or turn it down. And for me, that's really kind of I've been thinking about that all day. You know, the natural reaction is just to turn it up because I want those increased highs, or you know, I want to hear more. Yeah. I want to be more immersed in it. I want it to be instead, exciting again. Down. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. That's probably very good uh, um, advice, actually. I'm still getting into that virtual room thing that Gav, Gaz, why do I always do that whenever I talk about that thing? Because it's VRM. Um, <laughs> oh, the focus yeah, right Gav, thing. Yeah, VRM thing. It's really good. It is really good. I mean, it doesn't sound exactly like you're in a room, but it's convincing enough that if you go in that environment, you can sort of play around with the placement of things and, it's, and you can turn it down. That's the most important part. You can turn it down and you feel you're in a room with quite loud speakers and you can hear detail. And that's why I tend to turn things up so I can focus in on the quiet detail and and then the loud stuff just is banging away at your ear and you kind of ignore it because you're trying to hear something quiet. But with that VRM thing, when it's on your... um, I thought the VRM thing worked better for me once I got into turning it down. It's interesting you say that. That's on headphones, right? As you turn it down, it it gets more... You get more immersed almost as it goes down. 
I suppose the thing about that is you get you get more you can pick out more of the psychoacoustics, can't you? Because um, it is doing some weird stuff. I mean, I found yeah. it a bit odd myself, but I, I didn't have a lot of time to get used to it. But it's a great yeah, sounding head. Have, it's got a great yeah. sounding headphone amp outside of that, anyway, right? You do have to get used to it, though. And at first, you know, it's you kind of want it like to be like a dog and jump through hoops, and it just be this amazing blow you away kind of thing. And you hear it, and you think, oh, it just sounds very odd. But the more you use it, actually, it is actually a very valid mixing tool. And I do think the mixes that I've done within it have translated very well. So, you know, it, yeah, I think, me too. Yeah, so totally it, uh, but I'm surprised that we've not seen, I mean, it looks like Focusrite have not been incorporating it in their newer products. So I don't know if it's a, if it's something that hasn't really worked that well. Well, I don't know. I would assume if it's got any kind of DSP in it, it's probably not that, that I mean, I know nothing about these things, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Interesting oh, I, idea. I tried to work out what it was doing, and I don't think it's massively complicated what it's doing. It's, there's, there's it, some match EQ stuff going on, and then a little bit of time delay stuff going on. And yeah. I, I think there's some, um, what's the pulse, uh, oh God, impulse responses as well, I think is going yeah, on there as well. Exactly. There's some, so there's yeah. an impulse response and a match EQ. So, um, But the way I got used to it was I just literally went and found all the records that I like and played them through it and picked a pair of speakers that I thought sounded a little bit like the speakers that I've already got. And then I just kind of got used to listening to lots of music with it. Yeah. And then some things just don't work on it at all, though. They you, and you really do, weird. when you get used to it, you do have a very profound experience when you bypass the processing. And then suddenly yeah, yeah. you just think, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and you but think... The other, one, the other one, late at night, I'll be, like, playing my guitar or something, and I'll be doing something, and I'll suddenly think, oh, mm. shit. Mm. I've left the speakers on, because it just sounds so... And I'll take the thing off, and I'm... Oh no! There's no sound in the room. It's all in here, and it actually, my brain's got so into it that I'm, you know, I'm really. Oh, that's interesting. Space, so it's it can be quite a good experience if you if you stay with it for a bit. Mm. And they're not expensive, are they? They're about sixty, seventy quid, right. something like that. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's quite, yeah. I think uh, there's we've got a review of them on uh, mm. on the site somewhere. Rich, Rich, our guitars editor, it was one of the first reviews he did for us, and uh, yeah, it, it was interesting, definitely. Very interesting. I think the most important part of it is that wherever you go, you take your room with you. So if you work in that environment and you get used to it, then I can sit at my kitchen table and I can be in my virtual room or I can sit in a hotel room and I can be in my oh, virtual that's room. that's interesting. I could be backstage somewhere. I could be in a bloody gym with like horrible acoustics, but I could still be in my virtual room. So it kind of, you take, you get used to that mixing environment like you would any other and then it's portable. Oh, it's interesting because it's sort of sold as a check your mix on lots of things, but actually it's more useful as just making sure that you get used to a particular listening environment and then, yeah, and then exactly. take it with you wherever you go. That's an interesting idea, yeah. It is yeah. quite interesting, though, that you can change the rooms, though, uh, especially when you're at the end of a mix and then you kind of flick over to, say, maybe the living room with a pair of living room. Some of those living room things sound horrible. It sounds really, really horrible. And, um, but when you listen to music that you know out of that living room speaker emulation, it sounds okay. So it does, it does give you definitely a, uh, yeah. a bit of com- confidence, if anything. And, you know, I was talking about this realm of infinite adjustability, and, and it is a bit about confidence. And when you lose your confidence in, you know, that, that's your perspective, isn't it? Your confidence. When your confidence is gone, uh, then it's time to stop and do something else, you know, uh, come back to it later. But, um, 
yeah and i found with that little vrm box so it has been quite good for my confidence so i think that that's a point maybe worth mentioning cool all right, I'm going um, to say one more positive uh, thing about it. Good grief. <laughs> yeah, and that is I can't sing properly with headphones on. I can't pitch very well. And when I switch that thing on, it makes me think that I'm in a room and it makes my pitching better when I'm singing with headphones on. So I actually think it's quite good for that as well. So there you go. It's been, it's been well and truly uh, in, uh, endorsed. Is that the right word? Or commended. Commend, 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 commend. <laughs> Super. Well, I think that's probably a good time to uh, maybe consider consider leaving the show unless anybody has anything more to add. Um, obviously, uh, Rich and uh, Dave probably don't have experience of the VRM box, but it's worth a listen. It's kind of obviously it works for half the panel, so that's uh, that's got to be a good thing. So you know, if you get the opportunity to check one out, might might be worth might, might work for you if you've got the right sort of headphones and what have you. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Um, I think um, we can probably say our goodbyes. So I'll start with you, Gaz. Um, Thank you very much for joining us this week again uh, and uh, songsurgeon.co.uk and yep. I guess you'll be off on the road um, again off shortly. To Australia next week at Sydney Opera House. So that's Ooh, something to look forward to. Marvellous. Um, that's going to be great. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do, hopefully, I'm going to try and do some little impulses whilst I'm there. Oh yeah, impulse. Uh, I'm going to take my little, uh, my little Zoom H2N, the little surround sound recorder and I'm going to try and see if I can just grab some acoustic imprints of the place because... Have you got the right tones to do it with? Have you got the whoop, pop things? Because I'll oh. send you some if you need some. Okay, that would be cool. I was I'll just going to clap. <laughs> oh, no. gonna... Well, you can use. You need to use a starter pistol because you need. Right. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Take out the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Skip imagine that would be a problem at all. Excuse me, Mr. Williams. What is this in your luggage? Excellent. Yeah, best take it with you. Yeah, they might not sell them in Australia. Yeah, uh, it's for an impulse. <laughs> yeah, yes. impulse for the man who doesn't have to try is it too hard. season. Yeah, excellent. Brilliant. Can I, okay. a, can I pop a balloon? A balloon is quite yeah, an innocent thing to take. Balloon popping is alright as well, yeah. but starter pistols better. <laughs> yeah, but mu- much less likely to happen. Uh, I'll well, send you the impulse. Um, I'll send you the tone things as well. Anyway. Oh well, good luck. A series of claps would work, says Matt M. But anyway, thank you very much, uh, Gaz. And uh, while well, Mark's it on screen, I'll say thank you very much to you as well. It's very a great pleasure to have you aboard. Oh, yeah, very welcome. And uh, we will um, see you again very soon. Thank you. Indeed. And of course, uh, our other two guests uh, will have to speak to make themselves uh, leap into the, uh, the 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 right window. It's like celebrity squares here. Ah, well, there goes Dave with his drum. Yes, it did. (laughs) Ah, thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. Dave Spears, of course, G4 Software, thank you for joining us. Uh, And uh, yes, I I love your T-shirt. That's brilliant. Thank you. But yeah, I don't think you better wash it. Ever. Yeah, you can peel all this up. Oh, oh, oh it comes off. Uh, yeah, yeah, and there's this sort of weird thing, right? This this is like an umbilical cord, which, of course, then you hook onto your jeans, but I'd forgotten about that, and I went into B&Q earlier, and it was kind of traipsing around. It looked like I had one of those coats for nicking things, and that this had fallen <laughs> out. It was quite, quite weird, like shoplifter's paradise. Oh. I was dreading trying to explain it to somebody, because they'd have just gone, get out, you weirdo. Uh, yeah. No, but you don't understand. <laughs> Let me just explain. They'd have been right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dave, thanks for joining us. That was great. And also, while Rich is up there, we'll say thank you to Rich Hilton uh, over there in hiltonius.com. Uh, off to wax a hottie, no doubt, uh, in the studio. Rest those ears. 
Those are solid gold ears there, Rich. Um, and hopefully, um, we'll see you in Bristol in a couple of weeks. That would be brilliant. Or 10 days. That would be fantastic. I'd love that. Okay, super. And once again, of course, uh, don't forget, uh, if you want to win your copy of Iris, uh, well, first of all, download a free 10-day trial, isodope.com slash iris. Thanks for their sponsorship. But if you want to win one, comments below please uh just give us a good reason why you should be the winner and uh, we'll choose one um that's the most worthy stroke amusing stroke whatever i don't know what the criteria are it'll just be uh, an impulse selection so you can do it from uh youtube comments or just the news item comments once again uh that's been sonic talk number 313 thanks very much for listening